you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our ninth podcast. In this podcast, we will introduce two guests, XFL draft pick Christian Sokoli and XFLboard.com Dallas Renegades team reporter Jane Oaks. DC Defenders draft pick Christian Sokoli, a former defensive lineman for the University of Buffalo Bulls and sixth-round draft pick for the Seattle Seahawks, had a three-year NFL season that was cut short by an untimely injury. We will talk to Christian about his time in college, his NFL career, and the fact that he is coming to the XFL because he has something to prove. Then we will talk to Jay Noakes. He will tell us why he has decided to follow the XFL, then we will talk about the chances of the Dallas Renegades and their coach Bob Stoops, about a budding rivalry with the Houston Roughnecks, and why the city of Dallas will embrace the Renegades. I call this podcast Comebacks. It's about a player who is returning to pro football because he has something to prove, and a pro football league that is coming back because it also has something to prove. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Christian Sokoli to the podcast. After playing at the University of Buffalo, Christian was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the sixth round of the 2015 NFL Draft. After three years in the NFL, Christian's time in the league was cut short by a torn ACL. Now he has been drafted to the D.C. Defenders of the XFL. Welcome, Christian. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. Now let's go back to uh, when you were young. Uh, You went to high school in or you grew up in Bloomfield, New Jersey? That's right. Went to high school in Bloomfield, New Jersey. You played football there. What position did you play? I played uh, a bunch of positions. Actually, left tackle, uh, defensive end. I kicked and punted as well. It was a great time doing that for Coach Carter and uh, Bloomfield High School. I actually also I had dreams of being a tight end, but that didn't really work out the way I had planned. And there's a, there's a lot of you know jokes with my uh, high school coaches about that. Your high school coach called you Moose, right? That's right, he did. Because you're a big guy? I guess so. He also called a lot of people Moose, but he did. He especially liked to call me Moose, I have to say. <laughs> you were his favorite Moose. Yeah, I still remember walking through the hallways. Right. And walking by him, he was saying, Moose, Moose, how you doing, Moose? <laughs> <laughs> he's always been really good for our program, honestly, here at Bloomfield. So he's a great coach. He is, he is, and he's he's a great leader of men, young men, you know, he really develops guys on and off the field. So my understanding is you're you're born in Albania, you're Albanian, and you're the son of Albanian immigrants? Yes, I am, yes, I came to New Jersey when I was nine years old. And they came to New Jersey from Albania, and when you first came to uh, New Jersey, you didn't speak English, (laughs) and you had to pick it up on the fly, right? I'm laughing because my, my my dogs had to just get kicked out of the house because they were being rowdy. But um, let's let's get back to it. No, I, I did not speak English when I came here. Nine years old, I didn't speak a word of English, man. So definitely, uh, you know, the whole you know American dream story. And I I'm really privileged to have been able to to experience so much in my life, honestly, from Albania to coming to New Jersey, and then being fortunate to go to college. You know, first one in my family to go to college. Um, actually. Second, kind of. My cousin got an MBA before I uh, graduated college, so the second one. But, yeah, I've just been very fortunate and a uh, unique experience coming here at nine years old. My dad came here when I was five, and my mom came here when I was seven. And then me and my brother came when I was nine, and he was five. That must have been some experience. It really was. You know, a lot of pros and cons to it, but it was a blessing. And you're really proud of your Albanian roots. I am. I am, man. I, I feel it's certainly a part of me. And uh, I'm proud to be an American, too. And I've spent most of my life in America now, so I'd say, you know, I'm cultured, you know, as an American, so to speak, kind of, but the Albanian roots were certainly a part of me, and they'll always be a part of me, and I'm definitely proud of them. So what made you start to play football? Because, uh, I mean, uh, from Albania, that's not really a sport yeah. from Albania. No, for sure it's not. I came in, and I was uh, an avid soccer fan, and I was pumped to, you know, play for Juventus one day in Italy, <laughs> dreaming big at eight years old, playing, but I, yeah, I played soccer here, I enjoyed it a lot, I was really crazy about soccer too, you know, and then about 12, 13 years old, I started watching my uh, cousin play, Edmir, 
I, I started watching him play high school football, and he really got me into the sport. I mean, he introduced it to me, and I watched him play, and he played with a tenacity and an aggression that I really admired, honestly. And I was like, man, I love soccer, but that's cool. Like, that guy's fighting his butt off, man. He's a, he's an animal out there. You know, that, that's really what I remember watching him. You know, what I remember thinking when I'd watch him, and I'd be like, he's just fearless, and he's such an animal, and he's just going for it. And, you know, what an aggressive sport. So I, I kind of fell in love from the beginning and transitioned into it about middle school and kind of didn't look back from there. So after high school, you decided to go to University of Buffalo. How did you come by that decision? It was uh, one week out from uh, signing day, and I was playing Madden in my ba- my parents' basement. Uh, you know, me and Coach Carter, we were set on probably going to Division Two at that point, maybe a prep school. Um, Coach Carter was a big part of my recruiting process. He really, you know, helped me out as much as he could. And um, so he calls me while I'm playing Madden. You know, I remember very vividly. He calls me. He said, Moose. Buffalo's going to call you in about five minutes. They're going to offer you a scholarship. You got to take it. It's up to you. I forget. He said something. He said he said you got to decide. He said you got to decide. Though. They're going to offer you a scholarship. It's kind of crunch time. And then uh, so I wait for the call. Minutes later, Buffalo calls. I answer. They offer me a scholarship. Buffalo is telling me on the phone, "We want you to come visit this weekend. Make up your mind when you come here." And I'm just, no, no, sir. I'm committing. I'm taking the scholarship. And uh, Coach Ernest Jones, it's funny. Coach Ernest Jones, who was the defensive back coach at that time at the University of Buffalo, he said, he said, "Relax, man. You don't got you don't got to commit right now. Just this weekend. All I need to know. Tell me you'll give us an answer and a good a good answer this weekend." I said, "Sir." I'm committing right now. He said, no, no, you don't have that. I said, no, no, I'm committing right now. <laughs> I was so set on making sure that didn't go anywhere, that offer. And I was so pumped to get it. I, I didn't even know where Buffalo was, honestly. But in a couple of days, sure enough, I went out went out there with my, my parents and my brother and uh, saw beautiful, snowy, you know, Buffalo in January. And uh, I was ready to go. It was exciting. That was really, really a great time. An opportunity to play football and an opportunity to get a business and min degree, too. Yes, absolutely, man. And to you know, to, to be able to have the paid for it was really a blessing, and I was I was excited about it from the start. Yep. So when you committed to Buffalo, you were six foot five and you weighed two hundred and twenty pounds. That's and right. And after two years, <laughs> after two <laughs> years, you were three hundred pounds. Yep. And that's when they started you in your junior year. Yep. Redshirt sophomore year, I I exchanged reps with Wyatt Cahill, the other nose tackle. And in junior year, I started uh, nose tackle at, uh, at, at Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a wild ride, man. And um, I, I, I got to, you know, credit Buffalo a lot for my journey. They, you know, they were a big part of my development. I, I gained uh, 80 pounds there, which is pretty crazy to even say, actually. Um, yeah, it was wild. I mean, my first off season, I, I, I came back home at like 255 after four, you know, five, six months. It was, it was wild. But that was uh, – College cafeteria, you know, getting into my, uh, you know, my age, you know, getting, getting, you know, getting, turning into my, turning 20 then. Yeah. It was a little late, a little late into school. And, uh, you know, Zach Duvall did a great job with us there. You know, he got us bigger, faster and stronger, definitely bigger and stronger too. You know, he was big on that. And for a guy like me, honestly, that program worked, you know, that, that, that emphasis on you're going to get killed or you're going to survive and you're going to come out, you know, bigger and stronger and, more more dangerous than you were before, you know. So for me, that that fortunately worked, and you know, I really was able to put a put a lot of weight on and develop with Buffalo. In Buffalo, you played on the D line with uh, Khalil Mack, right? That's right, I did. And you guys were the leading pass rushers in the, on the Buffalo team then. That's right. It was me and Khalil Mack. I was a cool, I was a very close second. No, I'd love to say that, but honestly, I, I don't know if that would be factual. I mean. We were definitely uh, two guys that were, did, did a good job there, and it was awesome playing with him. He was, he's a great teammate. He's a great guy. Um, but that, as far as pass rushers, I think Stephen Means is probably in second place there. Kobe Way was really effective as well. Um, Kobe Way would last. He would last with me saying to be effective. That's a good word. No, he's, he's he's a really good football player, and he's a guy that I learned from too. He's more polished than I was in college. You know, he you know guys like that. Richie Smith really kind of taught me the game a little bit, you know, and it, that well, was not so much teach, just, just being able to watch them, being able to learn how they do things, how they go about it was, was helpful to me. And, uh, yeah, no, we had a lot of good players, man. You know, Stephen Means and Richie Smith, Colby Way, Willie Mosley. We had, we had a lot of good players and uh, a good time in Buffalo. 
we got one good season and it was it was really exciting. Should have probably had another one, but you know, you don't you don't always get what you want, Mark. Sometimes it just doesn't go go the way you you want it to go or think it should go. That's, right, you know, that's part of life. Sports and in life, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, being on the D line, that's a team effort. So if the other guys got more sacks than you, then they yeah. probably should thank you for having two guys tied up while they rush to the passer, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. It is a team effort. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's a lot of it. A lot of it is that I got to really see what it means to have Khalil Mack on your team my senior year because when Mack was gone my redshirt senior year there was a little bit more attention on me and the other guys, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, now I see the difference now. I'm getting double teamed a lot more myself, so yeah, it yeah. really is unique how it works that way. You're, you're a unit, and uh, you make each other better, and you can also make each other worse if you're not on your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that sounds mm-hmm. like fun times in college. It so, is. No, it was, man. I, I enjoyed Buffalo, and uh, I enjoyed visiting, you know. Well, yeah, you have to go to homecoming, right? Absolutely, I missed it this year, but I, I went last year. And I also I went to the Penn State game. Uh, I went to the Penn State game this year, which is cool. Buffalo played at Penn State. I don't know if you saw that game. Yeah, man, they were exciting in the first half, and yeah, second half didn't go our way, but I thought we were doing a really good job in that first half. Wow. So after after college, you got drafted uh, by the Seattle Seahawks in the sixth round, and yep. and I bet that was exciting. It was. You went to the Seahawks. Now, uh, one of our team reporters uh, for XFL board, Mike Mitchell, recently wrote a review of the DC Defenders draft picks. And this is what he wrote about you. (laughs) He wrote, Seattle drafted him and tried to convert him to be a center, a position that he never played before. Based on his great agility at 300 pounds and his absurd strength, Sokoli was miscast and ended up being released a year after he was drafted. Was that about right? Yeah, it's it's probably pretty spot on. And, you know, we tried really hard to make it work in Seattle. And it's, it's kind of sobering to talk about it even now. But I, I wanted to make it work bad as hell, man. I wanted to figure out offensive line. And I sure don't think it was a matter of me not trying hard enough. Um, you know, Tom Cable is a great coach. And Pat Rule, those guys helped me out a lot. And we just kind of ran out of time. You know, I did some really good things in that first season that, you know, I think guys are like, wow, you know, he looks like a player. And even me, I was like, okay, I'm figuring this thing out. But, you know, especially going to that second training camp, it just didn't have a good camp, you know, and uh, it just wasn't consistent enough. And I understood why they wanted to go a different direction. They wanted to bring me back to the practice squad and keep developing as an offensive lineman. You know, hindsight, you know, you can think, oh, maybe I should have went back and kept developing as an offensive lineman. But at that point, I really felt like, naturally I'm meant to be a D lineman, you know, I, I, you know, meant to be is a strong word, but, uh, I, I certainly felt way more comfortable playing defensive line. I have an attack nature and an aggressive nature that, you know, that's my mentality kind of. And I really felt like my, my best chance was playing defensive line. So I said no to the practice squad opportunity and continue to develop with them and, uh, went to the Colts defensive line there and right. was doing some really good things, got activated to the active roster the last two weeks. And then, um, and then it didn't work out the next offseason there, you know. The GM got released, Grigson. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, probably like me and not, not to, you know, make excuses, you know, you know, but it is, it is what it is, you know. And I ended up getting cut in June of that next year. And it's kind of interesting how that story played out because then I, you know, a couple months later, I have, I'm kind of, you know, without a job looking to get into a training camp and the Saints offered me a spot at offensive line. Yeah. And, um, it was tough. I, I literally went there to work out. My, me and my agent had told them, we'll come and work out at offensive line, but we want you to look at it as a D-line. We really think D-line is where we're at, where we know what our, where our you know, best chance is at this league. And um, so, yeah, I went through that training camp at offensive line because, yeah, at that point, I wasn't going to sit at home during training camp wait for an opportunity at D-line when, you know, somebody's offering you a job at offensive line. So I went for that. Kind of same thing. Did some really good things, just not consistent enough. I think I had a really good third preseason game. Uh, it's funny. I even talked to Cable, and he said you were doing some things better and some improvement, but fourth preseason game wasn't as good, especially in the pass row. And it gives it makes me uh, have a lot of uh, respect for offensive line, man. It's a tough, tough position to learn. And uh, guys, uh, I give guys credit for being able to play it at such a high level. It takes so much consistency and poise and some things that I maybe lacked a little bit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so at the end of that training camp for the Saints, I ended up getting released and 
they put me on the practice squad for D-line after training camp, then let me go from the Giants, yeah. And you were making progress with the Giants, but you tore your ACL. Yeah, the Giants picked me up in the practice squad at the back end of that season. And then I uh, remained with the Giants throughout their, you know, GM changes and coaching changes in the offseason in 2018. And I was having a really solid camp, actually. And, uh, yep, tore my ACL in the first game. First training camp at D-line. Fourth training camp in the NFL. Finally had a shot to play D-line. I'm definitely telling you a sob story here. <laughs> Asking you if you feel sorry now. Yeah, really that's, that's... I, got, I got a lot of breaks, you know, talking about it, honestly, I'm really fortunate. I got so many breaks in my life and in my career. My first break being to come to this country, you know, so I, I, I can't, I'm beyond blessed, you know, but, you know, that, that whole, uh, yeah, the football thing, that, yeah, it kind of sucked the way it kind of finished with the 20 ACL. I thought I was in a good position to, you know, finally get a shot to play defensive line. But, and that, that's why, I'm, to, to make it on a turn to a positive note, that's why I'm so thrilled about the XFL, man. It gives right. the guys like me an opportunity to showcase what they can do. And, you know, I'm about to be 29 years old next year. So I'm over here old as hell, barely walking. But I'm confident that, uh, yeah, this season I'll show guys some, a little bit of what I can do at defensive line. And honestly, man, it's even, it's so much more about, you know, showing to myself, you know, and that's. You attended an XFL showcase in New Jersey. Yeah, I did. And it's funny, actually, when they invited me to that showcase, I was still doing physical therapy and rehabbing, but, like, only, like, three times a week. And um, I was interviewing for jobs aggressively and kind of saying I was trying to convince myself that I was done with football, you know, because I wanted to put it in the rear view in a way. But um, I think deep down I wasn't done. I mean, I still wanted to play. I just saw that the NFL might be over. So, you know, kind of got to move on. I, I don't think I was. I was split on Canada and everything else. I wasn't sure about that. So, yeah, and then, and then the XFL hits me up. and So I get ready for the showcase in a couple of weeks, and I have a pretty strong show, and I did really well. You know, I did some really good things. And, yeah. You know, yeah, nine months out of surgery, too. So I was like, you know what, all right, maybe I still have it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So you're healed, you're recovered, and you're ready to go. I am, man. No, I, I joke about being old, but honestly, I, I feel great. I, I literally feel like a rookie, you know, I, I don't feel like, I mean, there isn't much wear and tear, you know, I've gone through some training camps and the injury, but I've fully healed from the ACL thing and um, I'm ready to go. You've got something to prove. I do. Yeah. Mainly to myself. <laughs> uh, that's the truth. A couple weeks ago, you were selected by the DC defenders in the open phase of the 2020 XFL draft. And where were you when you heard that you were drafted to DC? I was driving home from my Merrill Lynch job. So you, uh, were, you were commuting. I was commuting, that's right. Yeah, not New York City, though. Luckily, I got, I got lucky with that one, too. I, got, uh, I was interviewing for a bunch of jobs in New York City, and I ended up getting a Merrill Lynch job in uh, financial advising, something that I you know, kind of wanted to do. And I ended up getting a job in Paramus, New Jersey, 50 minutes from home, which is really nice. So, yeah, I was driving back home. And it's like the back half of the draft, and I'll be honest, I feel a little bummed. I'm like, man, I had a strong showing. A bunch of teams were calling me. I thought I'd get drafted a little earlier. Kind of feeling sorry for myself. And then, uh, you know, uh, Greg Greg Gabriel. Oh, man, I might be getting his name wrong, but he's a great guy. I hope I'm not getting his name wrong. Uh, scout for the D.C. Defenders. who was a scout for the Giants for a while, too. He's a Buffalo native. He called me and told me that they're going to be drafting me, and they just drafted me. And he's, yeah, he's, he's a great dude. I met him at the showcase as well, actually. Buffalo guy. So that's kind of neat. So he told you that they were going to draft you, and they did. I think he called me and he said, hey, Christian, we just drafted you. Yep, I think that's exactly what he said. He said, we just drafted you. Yep, yeah. All right. So definitely uh, neat. I think I'm one of the very few athletes that gets the privilege of be drafted twice. That's very cool. <laughs> that's true. I think that's true. Well, congratulations. No, Thank you, man. Thank you. So what what do you know about the D.C. Defenders? I know that they have a great social media team. <laughs> they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I try to be active on social media, too, and I definitely enjoy um, sharing my journey with people on, on there, honestly, and I think it's cool to, you know, it's cool to get some likes, too. Let's be honest about it, you know. We like social media because we like attention and we like people to approve of us, you know, for sure. But I, I really do like that. 
you know, kids hit me up and they're like, oh man, I love what you're doing. How do you do this? And this is cool. And I, that's cool, you know? So, but yeah, the DC Defenders, they're, they're, they're active on the social media for sure. And, uh, no, they're, 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 they're pumping it up, man. I mean, as far as marketing goes, as a league, I think it looks promising. I mean, it's very early. We don't know, but just from, you know, obviously nowadays, social media is where you, where, where else would you judge it? You know, there's no TV commercials. So I, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job of uh, marketing and all that. So we'll see how it goes. They're doing a, a different job than they did in the first XFL in 2001. Of course, when the first XFL was around, you were, how old were you in 2001? That's interesting. 2001, I had just been here in America for one year, and I do not remember that league at all. So, I, you know, please, you know. There you go. What, what are the differences? I, I, obviously, I remember the jokes about it, like it was some crazy leagues, some crazy rules, but I, I, I didn't watch any of it. You know, I don't know what it was like, yeah. Well, the good news is that this this XFL is totally different, so you don't have to actually know anything about the old XFL. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Then we can leave it there too. <laughs> so, why why are professional football opportunities so rare? Wow. Yeah. Good question. There's football is such a big sport in America. There's so many kids playing it, and there's so many few spots. You know, it's 32 teams, so you know, 1,700 players in the NFL. And there's, you know, 120 Division One programs, and you have Division Two programs, Division Three programs. There's just, there's just a lot of kids, man. And, you know, it's crazy. My agent said, I remember when I tore my ACL, I said to my agent, I said, why are you being so pessimistic about it? Because he's like, you know, if, if this is it, man, you've had a nice career, you get to say that you did this. He was kind of giving me that kind of talk. Yeah. And I was like, Brett, why, why, you know, why are you talking to me like this? He, I said, I said, you know, I know I just tore my ACL, but I was doing really well with the Giants. Chances are, I said, you know, you'd think that they're going to bring me back to the 90-man roster next year. You know, you know, if, you know, if I was doing pretty good in camp, he's like, you know, this, the, he's like, man, he's like, I'm not counting against you. I'm not betting against you. I just know the nature of this beast. He's like, next year, there will be three to 500 other players that will come in like you that are, you know, much younger. And you may be a little better than them even, but it's just the nature of the beast. And it's just hard to get a shot. Every year, there's a new wave of young talent coming in four to 500 guys. So it's tough. It's really tough. And the XFL, you know, it grants us a great opportunity. So your agent was being realistic. He was. And then and, and I, I, I give him credit for doing that a lot throughout my career. And I and honestly, in the beginning, that's why I chose him. I felt like he, he gave it to me straight and he was very realistic with me. Yeah. There's two training camps coming up. A mini camp yeah. in December and yeah. a combined training camp in January. Are you excited about this? I am, man. I can't wait. I'm excited. You know, yeah, four weeks of training here, five weeks maybe before we go into mini camp. I'm training with my high school friend, actually, Esteban Morales. He, uh, he's starting a, a little health evolution thing. He was telling me about it this summer, and I kind of said, oh, that, you know, that's cool. You know, everybody's got ideas. I had ideas to do a bunch of things. And I checked back in on him, and then a couple months later, and this guy's got like 30 YouTube posts up, and I, I started doing some of his workouts, and I was like, okay, all right, that's fun. You know what? Let, let's train, man. Let me come to your shitty little uh, garage. He's got a little garage gym. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's been awesome, honestly. It's really cool because I've got we got to kind of hang out with my buddy again from high school, and um, we've been training you know, at, at Health Evolution. It's, it's literally a mini two-car garage. But, uh, and then also parabolic, you know, parabolic is where the place where I did my rehab did, you know, they're right in my workout too as well. But, uh, I just feel like I'm in a good place and I'm, I'm around good people and I'm just really excited, man, for the opportunity and the ability to be able to focus. Now I, I left my job at Merrill on good terms, you know, and I plan to go back and football is done, but to be able to say now that for four or five weeks, I just really dial in on football and football only is, is a blessing and to have good people, you know, in my corner. You were working at Merrill Lynch, and you said you put that on a hiatus. I was, and uh, I, 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 I fortunately also got I got to get my Series Seven, and I tested two days ago, and I, I passed that, so I was really excited to get that done. So when I get back, you know, I definitely plan to be back in that after football. But when I get back, I'll get the uh, sixty-six, and I'll be underway hopefully. So this is your career after football. I think it is. It's, it's a strong statement to make, and. You know, I'm I'm an open-minded guy. You know, the, who you know, you know, there's so many opportunities, so many things out there. But I I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I've always liked the stock market and investments, and they've always you know, stock market has always fascinated me. I traded stocks in high school actually as well, and throughout college, you know, 
And um, I think it'd be really cool to, to be able to potentially um, mesh two things together. I'd, I'd love to help athletes with their money, obviously. You know, that, that's that's something I'd love to do. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. It's, it's different from football for sure, but I've enjoyed it so far. So an investor and a football player, and you you match both sides of the of the of what you have, your knowledge base, and then now you're helping football players invest their money. That's right. I, I know, and I'd love to do that. Honestly, you know, we'll see. We'll see if I uh, get a shot to do that. But I think that'd be really cool, you know. And uh, I, I think that I, I can, you know, I certainly speak from perspective. I, I did some things well financially in the NFL. You know, my my two years in it, some things I would change the way I did them. You know, but overall, I think I did okay. And uh, I think I, you know, be able to relate to guys and give them a little perspective on how it went for me and. That, you know, managing your money is important, man, and it's um, it's like a lot of other things. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's so philosoph- it's, it's philosophical, whatever the word is, <laughs> like anything else. It's like, um, you know, it, it helps to uh, to have a, a plan, to have a vision, to kind of understand yourself, too, and be able to uh, put yourself in a position where, you're, you know, your life matches what you want, you know, kind of in your future. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to help guys do that. The average NFL career is is down to three years. It means most players only play three years, and they only draw an NFL salary for three years. I mean, some of some are stars, and they go on and they make millions. But a lot of most NFL players don't make millions. So right, and some of them go on to make fifty five thousand dollars in the XFL. <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, you really got to manage your money, is what I'm saying. Yes. No, you're right, man. You're absolutely hitting. Right on, right on the money there. Right on the money. You like that? Yeah, you're you're pretty sharp with those money uh, anecdotes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, you're you're so right, though, man. And, and guys don't realize that money. I mean, guys don't realize. We all don't realize. It's human nature to not to kind of think, you know, kind of like, oh, well, I have it, so it'll be here tomorrow. But money goes very quickly. You know, I'll be straight up. You know, I spent. About seventy grand, eighty grand, my first year in the NFL. To some people, it's not that much; they spend way more. But to your average person, I don't know, at twenty-four years old, they're like, "What the hell? I, just, I haven't spent that in two years, three years." You know, so it's like the lifestyle pushes you to spend more. And like you said, the average, the people that are pushing you to spend more, those guys are going to make. You know, a lot of them will make more money than you. And the ones that don't, I hate to say, it, unfortunately, they will. I don't want to say broke. Broke is a strong word, but they won't be um, in a good financial position in three, four years out of the league. And uh, that's that's where I think guys can really help themselves if they can really try and be realistic about what's in front of them, what the uh, what, what it means to have two hundred grand, three hundred grand. You know, like typical guy plays a year or two. Let's say he makes two after taxes, he makes two hundred, three hundred grand. What does that actually mean to some people? It can, and it's easy to think this way. 200, 300 grand means I can buy a really nice house and I can buy a really nice car. Great. And you can do that. That's cool. And if you work hard enough and you pay off your mortgage, that house will actually last you 5, 10, 20 years. But what if you could think about two, 300 grand invested wisely that that could mean, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year for the rest of your life. And then as that money grows, it becomes $30,000 a year the rest of your life. So yeah. just to, I think for guys to be able to think like that, it's, 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 so, it's a sobering thought because buying a nice Benz in a house is a lot more exciting than being told you're going to make $15,000 residual income a year kind of, you know. <laughs> but in the long run, I, I really think it, it's, it's a better option, you know, and it, it's, all, it's only a matter of education. I mean, the rich think this way. You know, the people that are wealthy, they're not, they're not, they're not spending money on assets that don't make money kind of, but let me not get into a money lecture. <laughs> Well, you're a smart guy. I like that. Well, thank you, man. I'm, I'm very, very bright. All right. Now, people can people can follow you on Twitter, right? If they want to follow your yeah. brightness and uh, and bask in your knowledge. Yeah, brightness to the world. Yeah, so they can follow you on Twitter at uh, Christian90. That's at K-R-I-S-T-J-A-N 90, right? Yes, I especially appreciate you for spelling that out. Yeah, of course. Uh, I figured that was necessary. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a beautiful name. It is. It's, Thank you. Yeah, I think so too, man. Thank you. Uh, my girlfriend's very fond of it. Well, I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's fond of you. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. That's, true. that's the whole point. You're making me blush now. Oh, 
Well, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for me to make a football player blush, but I guess I just did. <laughs> now well, I have a I have a question for you. Back to the Albanian side of things, and I'm almost well, done. But do Albanians get football? Like, do you have to explain it to your Albanian family and friends over and over again? Yeah, I'd say most of them don't get it. I'd say. I mean, obviously they're, they're big soccer fans, so naturally they're going to know soccer more, and they don't know it as well. But I'll say this. My cousins and my family, you know, my close family members have definitely uh, gotten their football knowledge up from me playing, and they, they've understood it more and more over the years. You know, some of them, like, you know, my cousin Vlad and Edmure, they're, they're bigger fans, and they understand it better than others. You know, uh, other ones like Tony, Nico, Augustine, you know, they, they support the hell out of me, but they're still kind of like, yeah, 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 you pushed them harder than they pushed you, yeah, <laughs> you know? So, no, it's, it's, it's cool, though, but I definitely uh, – I'm definitely proud of being, you know, first Albanian in the NFL. It's very cool. And I'd say that I opened up uh, people's eyes, Albanians' eyes to football a little bit for sure. And uh, that's cool. I, 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 love, I love when parents hit me up and tell me that their kid's playing football. Some of them tell me that they're stressed about it and they hate me for it, but I still love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Christian, I would like to wish you all the best in the upcoming training camps. And I'd like to say that we just can't wait to see you on the field for the D.C. Defenders come next February. Thank you, Mark. I, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, Great interview. Thank you for pumping me up. You definitely got my uh, self-esteem way up there right now. My girlfriend's going to have to deal with me being super, super confident tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with Glad that. that <laughs> good luck with that. She's, she's giving me a real look right now, but I'll deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice talking with you. No, you too, man. Thank you very much, and uh, stay in touch, Mark. I'd like to welcome Jay Noakes to the podcast. Jay is a football fan, a blogger, and a podcaster, and a journalist. And one of our newest XFLboard.com team reporters, reporting for the Dallas Renegades. Welcome to the podcast, Jay, and welcome to XFLboard.com. Hey, man, so glad that uh, you invited me on on uh, this edition of the podcast. Uh, super excited about um, everything uh, and the opportunity that the XFL board has presented me. So uh, ready to rock and roll, man, uh, raising hell and ready for some Dallas Renegade football. Great. You know, let's let's first let's find out why why you're here. And I mean, how long have you been a follower of the XFL? Um, so I was actually about 11 years old when the original league first uh, launched in about 2001. And I was actually very curious about the league because I was a huge wrestling fan at the time, watched the WWF, um, watched it every Thursday. And I believe Monday, Monday Night Raw and Thursday Night Smackdown were the headliners for uh, the WWF at the time. And whenever Vince McMahon first initially launched, uh, well, announced it, the XFL would be launching soon. I, I was super excited as a kid because I wanted to see if there was another dimension of football outside of the NFL. And I believe that the XFL was able to provide some innovating um, technology that the NFL, you actually see some of the ideas that the XFL had originally um, in in um, in the NFL gameplay now with camera angles and certain different things like that. Um, so been following the XFL um, or became a follower of the XFL when I was 11. And then once uh, this opportunity first arose, I heard about uh, the XFL launching. I was actually following the Alliance of American Football very closely because I'm a football fan and and football fans love football year around. It doesn't matter if it's the NFL, college football, arena football, Canadian football. Um, but to be able to have a league that is actually American football um, and it's going to have this this type of talent in the talent pool um, in the XFL is very exciting, especially for the eight cities uh, that drafted about two weeks ago. So. I think it's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to last. I think it's definitely going to work. When the original XFL folded, you were probably crestfallen like the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. Uh, well, I remember the whole nickname portion, too. And, you know, uh, I, and I remember the end of it. I, I believe it was the million dollar game was a championship. Uh, it, it was it was 
very theatrical. I mean, you have Vince McMahon kind of being the the the, uh, the character that he is, and all the wrestling personalities like attending the games and doing live skits. So yeah, I was kind of I was kind of like, oh man, it's it's over. But it's kind of like, oh man, I'm glad they didn't bring wrestling into the fold into you know the the realm of football. So. <laughs> The wrestling part of the XFL never really happened, of course. And I think near the end of that season, they started to see that it wasn't playing out the way they wanted it to. But they still had the the wrestling celebrities promoting the league, which was kind of cool, actually. But, it, you know, of course, the, the league folded. So we never really got to see how far they went with that. Or they would go with that. Now, with the XFL now, how can the XFL compete with the nfl how could it be better than the nfl to be honest with you mark and i i really think that the nfl it's what i believe the xfl can provide versus the nfl is just a different type of feeling of football um i think these players who were drafted by these teams um have a uh have a certain level of passion behind it it's not about the money i mean we we know that there was a player who fell uh, or who decided not to go um, and play for the XFL team that drafted him because he had a better opportunity with uh, what his education provided him. But I don't really think that um, the XFL is all about the glimmer and the glamour of uh, big multi-million dollar contracts. I, I really think that the XFL, aside from the NFL, what it's going to provide is real passionate football. And, and you know, we, there's only 10 games in the X, in the XFL season. Um, so it's going to be a shorter season. It's going to be a lot more on the line. The implications are going to be higher. I think the parity factor is what the XFL is going to be able to bring to the table uh, aside from the NFL. And also, I feel like uh, they just like they did the first time. I think they're going to provide the NFL with plenty of ideas about innovating uh, the game and its safety rules and different camera angles and what we should do about the kickoff rule. The the rule that the NFL has been trying to figure out uh, I, I think for the last decade or so. Um, but I think the XFL is going to bring um, a way more passionate um, group of players to the table and also a more passionate group of fans in some regard. And also I feel like they're going to bring um, some innovation, some innovation as well to the sport of football that we probably haven't seen at this point um, for, you know, for the time that we've been following the sport. So I do believe it's going to be innovative. And I also feel like it's going to be a very passionate style of play. And these players are really going to be uh, putting it all out on the line to get another opportunity, possibly um, in the NFL, or maybe just become a household name for the XFL. You said you were a fan of the Alliance. And so was I, by the way. Now with the XFL, do you think they'll do a better job than the Alliance? I actually think it's going to be very comparable, to be honest with you. Um, the, the the thing about the Alliance of American Football that I think um, many people kind of overlook is the fact that they didn't have the financial backing um, that the Alli that the XFL has. I mean, yeah. Fox and ESPN, you know, bringing in their broadcast group, that kind of tells you um, what type of league this is going to be. Now, the the Alliance of American football, they did have CBS and the NFL network broadcast their games, but it seems like as that league began, began to fold, um, those networks weren't truly backing the product of the Alliance of American football, not um, a part of the broadcasting rights or not paying any money towards the league. Uh, but with the XFL, um, I really feel like it is going to last. And the Alliance of American football, um, I just think it didn't last uh, because of the lack of finances. But in my opinion, I think it's going to be very comparable. I think the XFL is going to all the XFL teams are going to have um, great fan bases. Also, uh, another one outside of uh, the markets that you would think like St. Louis that does not have a football team, a professional football team. I think that that market is really going to boom. I think that is where the XFL really wants to make their mark, bring some football back to uh, the city of St. Louis. And uh, I, I think that that market is really going to boom in regards to uh, the growth of the XFL. But I think it's going to be comparable. And I, and I think it's going to be a great product that the XFL puts out on the field. Um, in comparison to the Alliance of American Football. You know, I agree with you on your assessment of St. Louis. I think my opinion is that St. Louis will be the shining star of the XFL at the end of the at the end of the season in in, in relation to the um, 
especially in relation to how many fans get involved with the, with the team. Now, you followed the XFL draft. Now, what was your overall impression of the draft? I actually, uh, my favorite part about it was the actual transparency. Um, and that's another thing I think that NFL can take away. I mean, yeah, we get glimpses of what it's like being in an NFL uh uh, war room but in the xfl we had a in-depth look um especially with different videos that each respective team were able to launch um behind the scenes with with the xfl draft but transparency was a big one for me also i feel like they did themselves uh, a justice the xfl did themselves a justice by assigning top tier or the top of the top quarterbacks to each individual team um versus putting them out there letting each of them have a fair shot of a of a draw of the quarterback that they select and and just assigning those quarterbacks to those teams. I thought that that was awesome. And then I also thought the open phase uh, was another great part about it. Um, just being able to go back and say, all right, this is where we're going to put depth onto our rosters and being able to see, like I said, just the transparency um, and being able to see how these uh, teams were able to build their rosters and and the depth that they have inside of their locker room and on that roster was incredible. I think the XFL did a great job on their draft. I read different things about how uh, they could have did it better. It was on YouTube Live. I think it was perfect. They didn't want to overdo it. You never want to pour all your money into one aspect of, of a new league. And they did it the right way. And, and I'm sure they're going to allocate their funds uh, towards other uh, different different uh, aspects of the XFL launch, but the XFL draft was done perfectly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about it. People are relatively impressed with that draft, especially one of the, the communications aspect of it and the social media aspect of it. And I keep hearing more and more people commenting on that over the, the days since the draft has occurred. A player that I interviewed for this very podcast, uh, Christian Sokoli, I asked him, what do you know about the D.C. Defenders? He says, I know they have a great social media presence. <laughs> in other words, that's the thing that's coming across to him in, in waves is their social media postings. And, I, and they have posted about him as well, being one of the players they drafted. So it's that social media presence that's they're, they're really ramping up with it now. And um, I keep hearing people talking about it. And it's something it's something different. And people are excited about it. Now, when it comes to the players, the Dallas Renegades drafted, how do you think Bob Stoops did? And did he get the team he needed? Yeah, I think he assembled the uh, perfect team. Um, well, in regards to the offense that he wants to implement. And I even wrote on XFLboard.com about the air raid offense and how Bob Stoops and how mom uh, were one of the original innovators of the air raid offense. And typically with the air raid offense, what you want is speed. And every single pick within the first phase of the skilled players draft, I believe they went and they got speed. Um, you got Ryan Broyles, you got Joe Badette, you got um, um, the kid out of Miami. Can't think of the name right now, but I will circle back to it. Uh, but they, they were able, and they also got tight ends who are able to stress the field. And, and that's something that you definitely want in an air raid offense. And what I also liked about it was um, was the fact that the Renegades went out and they drafted players to where they could win at the point of attack. And that's important in the air raid offense as well, just giving your quarterback some time to get that ball out and uh, having some mean guys up front. That's definitely going to help. Um, and I also wrote on XFLboard.com um, about the average weight um, of of the offensive line for the Renegades, and, and that that's going to be a key for them. I, I believe it was 326 pounds on average that the offensive lineman for the Renegades weighed. So they got some big bodies up front, um, and then you look at their running backs as well. Um, you got Dimitri Flowers. You even got uh, Cameron Artis Payne, who's a speedster, um, and, and you also got Lance Dunbar, who's returning back to the Metroplex after. Uh, being uh, a part of the Dallas Cowboys franchise for so long, uh, just having that speed uh, on the offensive side. I, I think he did a wonderful job. And then also adding some uh, great defensive playmakers as well at safety and uh, at edge rush, like Frank Alexander, uh, another Oklahoma Sooner uh, that's, that's on this roster. 
So I really think Bob Stoops uh, did himself some justice there by getting the team that would fit his ideology and also his uh, and also his offensive scheme. So he's probably smiling right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. happy. Uh, he's definitely he's, happy. He's probably happy. Now he's got his quarterback, right? Landry Jones. Yeah. Uh, right. And that was, of course, that was the worst kept secret that Landry Jones will be playing for the Renegades. Of course, the XFL announced that they had signed Landry Jones months ago. So, and then of course we found out Landry Jones was assigned to the Renegades. Now, I like to play devil's advocate every now and then. Now, in 2001, the Los Angeles Extreme drafted Scott Milanovic first overall in the draft, and, of course, as a quarterback. However, by the time training camp ended, Tommy Maddox had won the starting quarterback job. Is there anything that's going to stop Landry Jones? Will somebody override him as starting quarterback during the training camp? Do you think that could ever happen? don't think so i really don't think so mark um i, I really think um bob stoops I, I think bob stoops in a way lured landry jones away from the nfl and said hey look uh, i'm going to dallas i want you to be my guy we got the offense implemented we're going to put great pieces around you and we're really going to make this thing work we're going to make the best out of this situation and also another thing for landry jones what he has over most of these quarterbacks who entered this league is professional experience especially in a uh, system like the Pittsburgh Steelers where they they were known to throw the deep ball. And we saw Landry Jones do that with the Steelers from time to time with weapons like Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, and some others. Um, I I think Landry Jones, it's his job to lose. If he loses that job, it's on him. But he's coming into this situation. I believe that he's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, It's just going to be – uh, it's, it's just going to be getting through training camp, seeing how he looks from what what reporters are saying based off of his uh, combine performance. He was like one of the better combine performers um, at the XFL combine. So that's awesome. Um, but I don't think he's in any danger of losing his starting spot unless he just comes out in training camp and he just lays a complete egg. But I, I don't think this guy is about that. I really think he's about the preparation. I really think Landry Jones is all about being a professional. As people in Pittsburgh have said, he has been or he was for that franchise. I think it's going to work very well in uh, Landry Jones's favor, being the franchise quarterback for the Dallas Renegades going, going forward. Another reason why Bob Stoops is probably smiling. who will get to be who do you think will get to be Landry Jones's backup quarterback there was a guy who they drafted actually they drafted him in the um in the in the first phase as well the name slips my mind but I think he is paid to be uh the backup quarterback I think they went out and got the guy uh one reason because uh and they got him early before any other uh team got their backup quarterback was because of his potential and what he could possibly bring to the table. And one thing that you don't want in any professional league um, is a quarterback room that is dysfunctional and having a guy that they feel like um, can back up Landry Jones with confidence um, would be, um, is going to work out. And I think, I think Bob Stoops is, is one heck of a coach. And I think if you give him any, styled um any style quarterback or any style player i think he would still be able to um he would still be able to get the best out of those players and i just got the name it's philip nelson out of east carolina and we know that philip nelson is is i mean east carolina they're all about throwing the ball down the field so if he has experience doing that um, he, he's going to be okay in the Bob Stoops-led system. I don't see there being any issue, but I do feel like they went out and got him as insurance just in case Jones go down goes down with an injury or something like that uh, to propel him to a starting spot um, and, uh, and, and still be able to put up productive numbers for the team. So I, I like what they did with the quarterback situation there by acquiring Philip Nelson. Yeah, exactly. Philip Nelson. I, I, I did remember that name uh, because he has a set last same name as me, of course, so I couldn't forget <laughs> it. But, you know, Philip Nelson, good backup. Another reason why Bob Stoops is smiling. Yep, <laughs> he's smiling, man. He's going to be smiling for the rest of the season. Honestly, I think that they are probably one of the top three teams in this league already. 
Well, that's what people are saying, but we'll I guess we'll soon find out. Now, in the first week of the XFL schedule, Dallas is at home to St. Louis. This is when we'll find out how good Dallas is. Now, why is this a matchup to watch? Well, I think I think this is a matchup to watch just because it's not only just the first game of the XFL for uh, in the city of Dallas, but I just think that St. Louis football is back. It's going to be a big emotional time for St. Louis Battlehawk fans and then for the, for the Renegades. I mean, think about it. If, so imagine this, Mark. If the Dallas Cowboys go and somehow eventually wind up in the Super Bowl and they win it, and then a week later they have a new football team coming to town and they're starting off with the St. Louis Battlehawks team and it's just going to be, to me, it's just going to be a type of environment that you want to be around. Um, also, I do believe that it, there will be some type of rivalry that you may see from these two just because it's going to be their first game. Um, but really, I think the, the emotions are going to be set high uh, for Bob Stoops as well, because this is going to be his first game coaching in two, three years now. Um, and also for Landry Jones, who's going to be on the spotlight, and and Ryan Broyles. Let's not forget about Ryan Broyles. A uh, guy retired in, in 2015, I believe, from the Detroit Lions, uh, decided to go get his real estate license and sell real estate, and now he's back. I mean, it, it's just going to be a game full of headlines. And I think the launch of the XFL is going to have tons of headlines as well. But I think this will be one of the most – uh, one of the marquee matchups of the first weekend um, of the XFL season launching. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to all the games, but I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Now, will Dallas and versus Houston be a rivalry? So, Mark, um, I'm I'm from Dallas. All right, so I, I was born I was born in Austin, raised in Dallas, went to college, high school, elementary school in Dallas, and. The Houston-Dallas rivalry is real. It, it doesn't matter if it's between two professional teams or two high school football teams. It's, it's, just, it's just the way, I guess, that God wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just that four, Interstate uh, 45 uh, rivalry. And, and I do think it's going to be a rivalry because anytime you have a, two in-state teams facing off against each other, you want to see which one's going to rise to the top at the end. So um, I, I think both of the cities have a rivalry, whether it's with basketball with the Houston Rockets and the Dallas Mavericks, or whether it's uh, A&M is close to um, SMU, and those are rivals in, in a smaller in a smaller frame of things. But anytime that Dallas and Houston is on the TV, is on the television, and uh, you have fans from Dallas and Houston watching, there's always going to be a rivalry just because. One team's from Dallas and the other team is from Houston. So I, I think it's going to be a huge deal, uh, especially in the XFL. Um, but also June Jones isn't June Jones is the head coach for the uh, Houston uh, for for the Houston Roughnecks. So there you go. June Jones was a longtime coach for the SMU Mustangs. So maybe he wants to get back at a Dallas team because he didn't work work out too well at, uh, the, at Southern Methodist University. So there you go. I mean, it, it's just rivalry. I mean, there's always going to be a rivalry in the air when it comes down to uh, a Dallas team versus a Houston team. June Jones is a colorful character, too. So there's liable to be some buildup of the uh, of the anticipation due to some colorful uh, uh, remarks from June Jones. That might help out the rivalry as well. Definitely, definitely, 100%. Now, talking more about the Dallas schedule, the other uh, thing that's important to note with the Dallas schedule is they have in both of the Thursday night games on Fox, one away in Houston on 2nd of April. Uh, so that that away game for Dallas will be on a Thursday night. And then again, the next week, they're home to the Wildcats on the 9th of April, again on a Thursday night. So how do you think these Thursday night games will uh, play out? Um, I, I honestly think it's going to have some type of playoff implications on the line for those last two Thursday night games. I think that's why the XFL scheduled them that way um, to create some level of parity for the league for sure. Um, but I mean, but it also depends on where the Renegades finish out or where they are at that time in the season. I mean, if they have a winning record uh, and they're well above 500, maybe those games don't mean as much, but they mean something. Um, 
or if they're at 500 and they need two wins to guarantee that they're going to get into the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be some type of implications at the end of the day for those last two games. But I mean, with Bob Stoops as the head coach and his coaching staff that they put together, man, the sky is the limit for this Dallas Renegades team. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, Mark, if this team goes undefeated. Yeah, nothing will surprise me, by the way, Jay. <laughs> but I, I like the idea that the XFL has built in parity to the league, and I'm sure, I'm sure the Alliance had that plan as well. But it, they didn't really get parity, so uh, anything can happen. And uh, of course, it's that's why we watch because anything can happen. Now Dallas is there's nothing more important to Dallas than the Dallas Cowboys. Now will Dallas embrace the Renegades? I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And growing up in Dallas, anything that is Dallas, Dallas is 100% behind it. Um, matter of fact, whenever I was nine or so, we moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And at the time, I was a San Antonio Spurs fan. And I know I'm I'm going off the rails here with some with some basketball, but I was a Spurs fan. And whenever we got to Dallas, we had a family that invited my family and I out to the Dallas Mavericks game. And even though there wasn't that many people in the stands, Mark, it was crazy how uh, how many people were actually still into the game. Because at the time, the Dallas Mavericks weren't that good around the time I was about nine or ten. But uh you 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 could tell that they were that the fans were there to show out and to support. So I do believe that Dallas, the Metroplex, will embrace this Renegades team, especially if they start winning. Um, I believe Bob Stoops and this marketing team uh, for the Renegades is doing an incredible job. Shout out to uh, Isaiah Stanback, by the way. I believe he's one of the marketing directors for the Renegades. He's they're they're doing some amazing things. They have uh, some trucks with some decals on it. They're going to be at Texas Motor Speedway uh, this weekend. So if you're listening to the show now, um, it's already passed, but they're going to be at the Texas Motor Speedway. They're going to do everything in their power to get the people um, in the city of Dallas to come out and support um, this Renegades football team. And plus, it's Texas, Mark. So football all year round for Texas is a great thing, and people love football in Texas. So uh, it, it's it's going to be great. I'm sure the Metroplex will embrace uh, the Dallas Renegades uh, once this season launches. Well, that's good to hear. The Renegades will be embraced. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And of course, like as you pointed out, that if if it if it has Dallas's name on it, Dallas folks will will come come round and support. Jay, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. But before we go, I'd like to point out uh, that you've got uh, people can follow you on social media. Uh, you can follow Jay Noakes on Twitter at Notes X Noakes. That's N O T E S X N O K E S. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also on Facebook, Facebook.com Notes X Noakes. And your podcast is on Anchor.fm slash Notes X Noakes. And I. There's one more, actually. Your Instagram is also uh, Notes X Notes. Am I right about that? <laughs> yes, sir. Mark them all down as uh, Notes X Notes. And actually, the show, um, I-, I wanted to pay some homage to the city I was born in. So Austin has this music festival called South by Southwest each and every uh, spring. So uh, the, sh- the name of the show is Notes by Notes. And I wanted to throw that X in there to kind of pay some homage to uh, the city that I'm from and the city where my family's from as well. So yeah, they can check it out on Facebook, Anchor FM, and also all of the social media uh, sites that I have as well. Well, that's great. Notes by Noakes. Everywhere you go, every platform you can find. <laughs> Jay, Jay, you've got a great social media footprint and it's well-branded. That's really cool. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Um, I, I actually, uh, I've been doing this for about four years now and uh, Notes by Notes is a uh, project I have long awaited to launch, um, and it's a solo act, so I love doing it. And uh, I'm going to love talking about XFL um, stuff on there as well, too. I already let my listeners know I'll be at some games, and and uh, most of my listenership uh, is actually in Dallas. So it's going to be great. I'm going to try to bring some people out to uh, Globe Life Park um, for the first for the first game. So it, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to all the good things that XFL is going to bring to us uh, in football's regard. 
we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the XFL over the coming months and then in the upcoming season. I'd like to thank you again for joining us today, and we'd love to have you again. Hey, thank you as well, Mark, and I would love to come back on. All you have to do is just ring my line, and I'll, I'll be ready to go, man. That's good to know. Have a good day. You too, man. Thank you. Thanks again to our guests, Christian Sokoli and Jane Oaks. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You are welcome to come back next Sunday, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.